God said, okay, say it. Say it. Okay. Um, so in my head, put a little bit more force behind it. Growing old with my wife, watching my grandbaby grow up, watching my two daughters live their life. No, say it. <laughs> mm. So at two o'clock in the morning, in the bathroom, out loud, grow old with my wife, watch my grandbaby grow up, and watch my daughters live their life. And just as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I could feel all the stress and tension in my body just being pulled to my chest and pulled out of my body. And when that was leaving a peace that I cannot explain. We're so excited that you're here today and uh, we're excited about what God is doing. God is at work. Did you know that? God is at work. And there are times in your life, in my life, and I have to be honest, I, I, I question and I think, God, where are you at in this? Where are you at in this crisis? Where are you at in this chaos? Where are you at and what I'm facing and what I'm going through life? And, and sometimes we don't see the hand of God, but I want you to know that God loves you and that when you don't see God working, God is at work. He's working, and I use that frame or use that phrase, he's working back of house. He's working back of stage. He's working in the background, and you don't see it, you don't know it, but God is always at work, and he works for your good. As a child of God, he works for your good, and he works for the glory of his name. And so it's amazing that God is at work in your life, in our life, in our world. And, and I, you know, I've been bothered about what's been going on overseas, and uh and stuff like that, but I want you to know that I am so confident of our God that I believe with all my heart he's sovereign, he's in control, and that God has got this, and so I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to live in fear, I don't need to worry, I just need to enjoy the journey. Me and Brother Judd, uh, we, we, we usually read every morning as we're traveling down the road or whatever we're doing uh, when we get, to, get together, and, and uh, we've been reading through the uh, Ecclesiastes, and uh, I've learned something about your lot in life. You know what your lot is in life? To eat, to drink, and to enjoy your labor. <laughs> enjoy your labor. In other words, find out what you like to do and enjoy it. Enjoy your lot in life, you know. And so I thought a lot about that lately, and I'm thinking, Lord, I'm going to eat I'm going to drink. Now, I'm, when I use the term drink, don't take that out of context. Uh, I'm going to eat, and I'm going to drink, and I'm going to enjoy my lot in life. And right now, my lot in life is enjoying six grandchildren. Yeah, that's my lot in life right now. And, of course, it's other things as well. But we're so glad that you're here this morning, and we want to welcome you. And those that are watching online as well, we welcome you this morning. This morning is going to be just a little bit different. And uh, we're going to be sharing. I'm, we're starting a new series, actually. Uh, and this series that we're going to be starting takes us all the way up to, through Easter. And, in fact, past Easter that we're going to be starting. And it's entitled, I Am. I, yeah, there we got it. I Am Who I Am. I am, where, where God spoke to Moses, and Moses asked the question, 
you know, when you send me back to Egypt, when you send me there, who in the world am I to tell what your name is? And that word I am is a Hebrew word called, it is spelled like this, Y-H-W-H, which we call Yahweh. I am Yahweh. I am who I am. And so we're going to be talking about this in the next several weeks about I am, how that God said I am, Jesus said I am, and then he breaks it down and talks about some of the characteristics of God, characteristics of Christ, and uh, about I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection, uh, I am the vine, I'm the good shepherd, we'll go on and on and through those things, you know. But today we're going to start this series off talking about an encounter. Now, in Exodus, the third chapter, we have the story where God, or Moses, excuse me, Moses encounters God for, for real for the very first time. Now, Moses grew up knowing about God. He grew up learning about God, but Moses had never had an encounter with God. It doesn't, doesn't mean, you see, and I'm convinced there's a lot of us. I grew up hearing about God. I grew up knowing about God. I grew up uh, uh, understanding about salvation. But I'm telling, even after I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, there came a point in my life I had an encounter with the presence and the power of God. And from that point in my life, my life has been forever changed. And so Moses was a man. He had been raised in the finest of palaces in Egypt. He had eaten the best foods and attended the best schools. But then something happened. He had an encounter with an Egyptian, not with God. (laughs) He had an encounter with an Egyptian. And of course, the Egyptian lost his life. Moses took his life. And after this encounter with this Egyptian, Moses fled into the desert because Pharaoh was after the life of Moses. It was there that Moses became an inhabitant of Midian. He married a woman by the name of Zipporah. He had a son, and he had been working with his father-in-law for 40 years, leading his sheep through a desert. But as he's leading the sheep through the desert, he comes up on this mountain called Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. It's the same place where God gave the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel, but this is before that. And it is here on Mount Horeb that Moses has an encounter with God. Moses is 80 years old, and it's his first encounter with God. And there at Mount Horeb, God begins to speak to Moses through a burning bush. Now, I know that God speaks in different forms, in different ways. He talked to Balaam through a donkey. He talked to the prophets through visions and dreams in different ways. He talked to Abraham through an angel and even through his own presence. And so God talks to different people different ways. And wherever you're at in life, I want you to know that if you will pause long enough to listen, God will speak to you. God will encounter you in such a way that you will begin to have an encounter with the presence of God that will change your life for eternity. 
And so Moses has this encounter with God at the burning bush. And I'm going to kind of stop there. But it's at this encounter with God that Moses' life is changed forever. And so I'm going to share, I'm not going to share, Brad Miller is going to come. Now, Brad Miller is going to tell you his story. Now, Brad has been a Christian for as long as I've known him. And I've known him for 22 years, something like that. I've been here almost 22 years. So I've known Brad for almost 22 years. To my knowledge, Brad has been a Christian ever since I've known him. He has a relationship. He, he has a knowledge of God. He has a relationship with God. I don't doubt that. But there became a point in his life not too long ago on the journey when things seemed hopeless, things got dark, that Brad has an encounter with Almighty God. And this encounter with God changed his life forever. Oh, he was already changed. But this new encounter, this fresh encounter, changed his life on his journey. So I want to introduce you this morning to Brad Miller. If you come, Brad, I'm going to get out of the way. And I want you give Brad a hand. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Brad. You said it like you wanted. Okay. Brad is not in his comfort zone. Brad is good one-on-one. -on -one. Brad is good on a football field. He was quarterback when his, during his day. But this is out of his comfort zone. But the amazing thing about God is God told him, Brad, you need to do this. And so Brad's going to share his journey. Thank you, Brad. Good morning. Um, first, I want to thank the Lord for the opportunity to be here this morning and to uh, give you my story about how God has helped me um, but given me a peace uh, over my battle with cancer. Um, I want to go back to last June. Um, started really noticing some issues, um, or my wife did actually. <laughs> uh, a lot of fatigue and really no appetite. Um, so she gets on me. Uh, we're going to get a doctor's appointment. Well, Tracy, I've got a doctor's appointment in September. It's right, you know, just a few months away. She says, okay, and that lasts for about 10 days. <laughs> um, it was a Wednesday night, June 23rd, to be exact. Um, I'm getting my shower. I get out of the shower, I walk into the living room, and she looks at me, and how much weight have you lost? I said, oh, about 10 pounds, maybe? She said, no, you're going to go away. So I go in, I weigh, I come out, say, okay, so maybe 15. She said, I'm calling the doctor in the morning. Um, I go to work. She gets up, gets on the phone. She calls the doctor's office. Uh, doesn't receive a call right back, so she calls the GI office in Brunswick because that's where I'm going to end up anyway. <laughs> uh, she, tells, she calls me and tells me the story. She called the GI office, asked if she needs a referral for, to get a visit for me, or to get a referral for me to uh, set up an appointment. Oh, no, we can set you up. 
Um, looks like it's going to be about four weeks out. <laughs> she says, okay. She gives the information. But before she hangs up, she says, actually, with your cancellations, how does that work? Do, do you call, have, just put us on a list? She says, oh, no, you can just call back periodically and we'll check. She says, give me a minute. I'm going to let me refresh my calendar and we'll check. Uh, well, you know what? We just had a cancellation, 8 o'clock in the morning. Do you want to call your husband? See if he can make that? Oh, no, he'll be there. Put his name down. <laughs> she calls me at work. Okay, you have a doctor's visit, 8 o'clock in the morning. It's like, how did you do that? <laughs> um, so I get up. Next morning, we're off to, or I'm off to the doctor. Um, we go back. She's checking me out. They weigh me, and actually, it was about 25 pounds that I had lost. <laughs> Um, but she's examining me, and she gets to the lower part of my left abdomen when she's listening, and she comes up, she says, hmm, that, that, that doesn't sound right. She says, we're going to do an uh, x-ray today with some blood work, and we're going to set you up for a CT scan. So I'm like, okay. Um, go to the uh, hospital and get the x-ray done. It comes back normal, um, but we get a CT scan on Monday. Um, actually go to the CT scan. Tracy goes with me. We have that done. Uh, then we go home. Later that evening is when we get a, just a preliminary report from the radiologist. Um, my girl, my two daughters, Casey and Kayla, come over. Um, CT scan shows a mass in your colon and several lesions on your liver. Um, <laughs> my wife and my daughter, both in the medical field, <laughs> so they know exactly what's going on. Me and my little one, we're kind of listening to them. They start throwing around words we don't know. <laughs> um, but that, the report doesn't say cancer. Um, but they know that there's not a whole lot of things that can cause what the CT scan's showing. Um, so after some tears that night, my bunch, <laughs> they go ahead and start setting up, okay, I'm gonna do this, we're gonna do this, this and this. My little one's gonna be my driver for the next month or so, and my other two are just gonna be my research people. Um, so they get their plan, the girls leave, uh, Tracy and I, we go to bed. I go to bed, but I'm laying there most of the night and going through what I need to do. If this happens, what do I need to do? If this happens, what do I need to do to handle this? And it goes on for hours. Um, I finally get to sleep just in time for the alarm to go off. Um, so I get up the next morning, headed to work. Uh, on the interstate headed to Brunswick. Um, first part of the trip, I'm still, what do I need? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I get to Woodbine, going over the Satilla River. And that's, that's always been a place in the morning when I can look out and I can say that this, is, this was not created by accident. God created that. And that morning, he left no doubt. Uh, sun was just 
before coming up and the horizon was just a beautiful orange. The river was like a mirror, light fog over the marsh. I'll never forget it. And right then, God let me know I'm here with you. <laughs> Before I got off the bridge on the radio, here came a song. CC whining. <clears throat> Believe for it. Mm. Mm, the tears that flowed that morning on the way to on the way to work. Oh. I get to work. Uh, clock in and I go and sit down in my office and I usually pull up a Bible, the Bible verse of the day to, before I do anything else to get started at work. And that morning, I pull it up, Exodus 14 and 14. <clears throat> I got that written down just so I get it word for word. <laughs> the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Mm. <laughs> on that morning it's that Bible verse that's the verse of the day at that point I need to get out of the way I, what am I going to do with cancer nothing there's nothing I can do get out of the way God's here and he showed me that that morning and what he was doing was getting me ready for the phone call that was coming later that day um, I knew the office was, the doctor's office would be calling set up an appointment to come in and go over the scans. So I get that call, um, answer the phone, they tell me who they are. Uh, but they wasn't setting up an appointment. <laughs> um, doctors said, Brad, can, can you talk? I said, yeah, I'm in my office at work. I said, yeah, I can talk. She's, and she says, no, are you alone where you can really talk? It's like, oh, okay. Um, if you'll give me just a minute. So I walk outside, I walk across a small parking lot, and there's a walkway between two buildings. So I walk in there, and I'm just walking back and forth between the two buildings, and she starts with, we've got the results from the CT last night. You've got a large mass in your colon that's almost completely obstructed your colon. Um, and you've got 11 lesions in your liver. Um, there's, this usually, this hardly ever happens to people at your age. That's like, okay. Um, she says, what we're gonna do, we've got a emergency colonoscopy set up for you in the morning. And we're gonna get you down to Mayo Hopefully within the next two weeks, we're going to put a stent in that should last long enough to get you to Mayo. Um, there's a lot more that Mayo can do as far as treatment-wise, and that's what it's going to take to save your life. Ooh, it's like okay. It says uh, we're going to, you know, with the colonoscopy, just stop by the office. We've got stuff for you to do tonight with some instructions. Okay, do you have any other questions? <laughs> I could barely think of my name right then, but it's like, no. Um, I walk out from between the two buildings, and, and I look up <laughs> right there in the parking lot. is Kayla and Tracy. 
I didn't know they were coming. They didn't know I was getting the phone call right then. They just thought I needed something to drink. So they drove all the way to Kingsland to bring me something to drink right then. No, God knew that I needed to see them after that phone call. Uh, so I just go, I sit down in the car and try to tell them what had just happened and what they said and what we needed to do. So we get through that. Tracy actually stays with me. She's going to ride home with me that afternoon. Um, so we stop by the office. They give me my instructions along with my medicine, prep medicine for the night. Six o'clock, two o'clock. It's like, ooh, okay. Be at the hospital 6.30 in the morning. It's okay. We got that. So I go home. We go through the six o'clock treatment. <clears throat> Hopefully they're going to come up with a better way to do that one day. <laughs> uh, so we get to bed, or we go to bed, and uh, I set my alarm for 1.45. Uh, alarm goes off, and I should have known something was up right then. Because in the last nine months, if I cough at night time, my wife, are you okay? What do you need? But that night, my alarm goes off, 1.45 in the morning, she doesn't move. It's like, oh, okay, I, I got this. I go in, <laughs> mix my dose for 2 o'clock, and I get that down. And instead of going back to bed, you just going to be getting up in just a little bit, so I says, I'm, I'm just going to go hang out in the bathroom. <laughs> so I'm going to the bathroom, and I'm sitting there, and I start, in my mind, I'm just thinking, Lord, I know you can heal cancer. I, I, I know people that has had cancer, don't have it anymore, they're still here. Um, and then my mind went to my mother-in-law, Connie, and my papa. Both of them lost their battle with cancer. But it's like, God, you healed them also. I know you did because there, there is no cancer in heaven. And right after that, <laughs> me talking to God turned into a conversation. Because the question came, Brad, what does being healed mean to you? Mm, I wasn't ready for that question. And I wasn't sitting down anymore. I'm in the bathroom pacing from shower to door, back to the shower. And it's like, what does being healed mean to me? And at that time, <laughs> all I had on my mind was, was my girls. <laughs> and all I could think about was being healed to me means growing old with my wife watching my grandbaby grow up <clears throat> and watching my two daughters live their life. <clears throat> God said, okay, say it. Say it. Okay. Um, so in my head, put a little bit more force behind it. Growing old with my wife, watching my grandbaby grow up, watching my two daughters live their life. No, say it. <laughs> mm. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, in the bathroom, 
out loud, grow old with my wife, watch my grandbaby grow up, and watch my daughters live their life. And just as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I could feel all the stress and tension in my body just being pulled to my chest and pulled out of my body. And when that was leaving a peace that I cannot explain, other than saying God's peace just filled my body. Mm. <laughs> that time, I mean, all you can do is raise your hands and just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> I finish, finish in the bathroom. I, I go to bed and I sleep. <laughs> sleep like a baby. Alarm gets off the next morning, or goes off the next morning. We're getting up. I get dressed. Casey and Caleb show up in the driveway. Uh, we jump in the car. We're headed to Brunswick. Caleb's driving. I got a shotgun. And Casey and, Kate, and Tracy's in the back. And all the way to Brunswick. Um, every song that come on the radio, Kayla had the message on every song. <laughs> I, I, was, I knew it. We were, I was singing along with it. <laughs> Two in the back thought I was going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, the peace was just, it was just with me. I, I, we got there, we went through the colonoscopy, the doctor comes in, uh, he got the splint in, or a stent in, um, got the sample, and he said, but this, this is definitely cancer. Um, you're looking at stage four metastatic colon cancer. Okay, we're good, we're good. We gotta get you down to Mayo within two weeks. All right, no problem. It, at that point, I mean, it just didn't matter what he said, we're, we're good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm okay. So we get home, <laughs> they call. Uh, we got a hold of Mayo. Looks like it's going to be six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. Okay. Um, get a phone call later because we also have to get a PET scan. Um, turns out we can get a PET scan in Fernandina the following morning. So my bunch, Kayla driving us, head to Fernandina the next morning, go through the PET scan, another doctor. He comes in. Um, after pulling up a picture of my mother-in-law, because <laughs> it was the same doctor, so I had my four plus my mother-in-law. <laughs> we're, we're covered. This this is going to be a this is going to be fine. Um, he pulls up the PET scan and he starts. He says, "Okay, so you you know you have the mass in your colon." I said, yep. Um, 11 lesions in the liver. Mm, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, we got that. He said, there's a couple of spots that look questionable on, on, on your lungs. Okay, all right. And then he says, well, you know, five, 10 years ago, what I would tell you right now is you go home and you get your affairs in order because there's nothing that we can do for you. 
He said, but it's changed, or it's changing. Um, he gets his phone out. He calls the doctor at the Mayo Clinic. He said, we're going to get you in. He calls. First doctor doesn't answer. He said, oh, that's not the only one. <laughs> he calls another one. The lady answers. She goes through the, or they go through telling what's going on with me, and she says, okay, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Before we get home, Mayo's called. Instead of the six to eight weeks, we're looking at, I believe it was 15 days. It's like, oh, okay, that's really good. Except for my wife and my daughter, my oldest daughter. Wasn't quite good enough. <laughs> Monday, uh, Tuesday morning of the following week, they called Mayo to, just to see if there's, or my wife does, just to see if there's anything we need to do before the visit. And by the way, um, do y'all ever have cancellations? I mean, this is Mayo, you would know. But she says, yeah, we, we have cancellations. Um, just call back. Matter of fact, call back this afternoon and we'll see. Since there was a hurricane coming, you've got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tracy calls Casey. They, she tells her about that. So. I believe it was about 12.30, since 12.30 is actually afternoon. <laughs> Kayla, our Trace, uh, Casey decides, okay, I'm gonna call. She calls down there. Yes, we just had a cancellation, eight o'clock in the morning, he'll take it. You don't need to check? No, no, he'll take it. We'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so the four of us again headed to Jacksonville, the Mayo Clinic. Uh, get checked in, uh, a doctor looks at everything, um, goes through what everybody else has been telling us. Um, he says, I can tell you what the book says. The book says we can extend your time a little bit. That's really all, all the book will tell you it can do. He says, but I'm not God, and I can't tell you What's going to happen? I'm at the right place yeah. right then. This is it. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. You, this is where I need to be. That was July 7th. Um, started chemo the end of July. Um, <laughs> and that was about four weeks before my, they were supposed, my original visit would have ever happened. Um, We've gone through 14, 14 treatments. Um, cancer has shrunk by uh, 60 or 70%. Um, they've been waiting on me to lose weight for the past eight months. <laughs> no, we're headed in the other direction. <laughs> so much I told them if I keep going, I'm going to have to buy more clothes. <laughs> Um, blood work's been really good. All the, uh, one of the markers that I can go by that I don't really have to have the rest of them explain it to me like they do with everything else, um, there's a cancer marker. Uh, cancer marker was as high, I believe, as 157. They checked it last week. We were down to an eight. 
God's at work. God is real and he is at work. Um, now I do want to take just a moment and, and, I, and I, want, I want to give thanks to everyone. Um, <laughs> the, all the love, support, and the prayers for me and my family. Um, it's just been, we really, really appreciate it. Um, and I, I want to ask you that you, you keep us in your prayers. <clears throat> but when you pray, I want you to also believe for it with us. We believe, and I want you to believe for it with us. Thank you. Amazing story of I am. I've discovered something about God. If, if I could write my sitcom, if I could write my story, if you could write your story, how would you write it? If Brad could write his story, I guarantee you Brad's story wouldn't be like it is now. Because I'm telling you, if I wrote my story, there's a lot of my life that I would change. There are situations in my life that I would write different. When I did, whatever, when I got that diagnosis, I would write my story different. And I'm going to tell you, I would write my story in such a way that, that, uh, that all God would have to do is just speak a word. I mean, God, all you have to do is just speak it. If you speak it, it will happen. I don't have to worry about it. I would write my story that way. And not only would I do that, but sometimes I might write my story a little bit different. I might write my story, well, God, you can do this with just a mention of your name, which is a spoken word. You can, you can do this. But while you're at it, would you go ahead and take care of all the injustice in the world? And would you go ahead and, you know, those that are wicked, would you go ahead and, you know, I would probably write my story a little bit different than your story. But the thing is, you're not God. And I'm not God. And as I was hearing Brad's story, and I thought, wow, what a powerful testimony of his journey. And how that God is his healer. But notice the testimony. When God asked him, God, what is healing to you, Brad? What is healing to you? Brad could have said, for me to be cancer-free. That's what he could have said. That's probably what I would have said. But he and God were having a conversation. And it was just him and God because Tracy was asleep. And it was just him and God. And God was speaking to Brad. I've come to the place that when you go through dark moments in your life, you need to stop and listen. Because it's in those dark moments that God is wanting to reveal himself to you in a way you've never known him before. And here you've got Brad sitting in the bathroom and, and God is speaking to him and he thinks his voice is at first but now he knows it's God speaking and God is speaking to him and all of a sudden, I want to know what your definition of healing is, Brad. And I can imagine Brad just kind of mumbling, well, I'd, I'd like to see grow old with my wife and I'd like to see my granddaughter grow up and I'd like to see my two daughters live out their lives. And yet God says, speak it. Of course, I'm thinking about this time, Brad's probably, he probably didn't because Brad's always got that soft tone. 
But I would have said, God, I want to see <laughs> But he speaks it out. And the moment that he speaks it out, perfect peace overwhelms him. Now, the point I want to make of this is God is healing Brad. But it's not the way that I would have thought, or maybe you would have thought, or maybe he would have thought, or Tracy would have thought. But God is answering Brad's definition of healing. Because it wasn't that I would be cancer-free. It was that I would grow old, my wife. See my grandbaby grow up. The grandbaby is, what, two years old? Three, three years old. Got a long ways to go. See my two daughters live out their lives. And my point is this, that you and I are not God. And if you had the power, if you had the power, we would often do what we want. But I've come to the place that as you grow to experience God and grow in your relationship with God, you grow to trust God. And at this point in Brad's life, he's at a place where God, it's okay, I trust you. I mean, when the doctor said, Stage four, 11 lesions, some other things going on. Okay, God's got it. He's developed a relationship with God. He's encountered God. He's experienced God at a dark moment in his life where even though he's walking through the journey and walking through the valley, there God is with him. Even though he's probably at moments faced the shadow of death, even that hasn't scared him. And I want you to know today, wherever you're at in life, God wants you to have maybe not a burning bush experience. And, and maybe not an experience where you hear from God in the bathroom. But wherever you're at in life, in your dark moment, in your dark, in the chaos and everything that's going on, God wants you to pause long enough to hear his voice and to hear him say, Zach, I'm with you. JC, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Where God looks at Greg and says, Greg, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. I'm going to be with you, and I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to leave you, where God will give you perfect peace in the midst of the darkest storm of your life. That's the God that we serve today. I wish that God would say, it's done, it's over with, it's gone. But sometimes as we walk through the journey of life, God wants us to trust him and to know that he's got all things in the palm of his hand. And so I don't know where you're at today, but I do know that God is, I am. I am what? I am who I am. I'm the self-existent one. I am the healer. I am the provider. I, 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 I'm, I'm your provision. I am your salvation. 
I'm your redemption. I'm your hope. I'm your future. I am everything. Whatever the need is, I don't care what it is, whatever the need is in your life, God is saying to you and I today, I am. I am. I am who I am. And so I want to challenge you. It is my prayer for you that during your dark moment, and you're going to have those dark moments. I wish I could tell you you'll never have a dark moment, but you're going to have a dark moment in your life. And it's in that dark moment that God is going to say, I am. Do you trust me? Will you believe in me? Will you believe it? Will you trust me? And allow God to work out his perfect will in your life. And I thought about this with Brad, and I hope it's okay to share this. Most of you today have never known Brad, never seen Brad. It's a different congregation today than it was 20 years ago. But today you've heard Brad's story. How do you know that God didn't allow this to happen? God didn't do it. Hear me. God didn't do it. But God allowed this to happen just so you could be impacted by what God is doing in Brad's life. How do you know? You see, you don't see the whole picture. The only thing you see is your puzzle, your sliver, your small piece. But I'm telling you, what has happened to Brad has not only impacted Brad and his family, it's impacted hundreds, if not thousands of people. And it's telling the story of a God who says, I am. And so when you're going through the dark moments in your life, I want you to understand, it's not just about you and your encounter. It's about someone else that's going to have an encounter because of you in your life, in their life. I'm so thankful for Brad today. So thankful for Tracy and Kayla and Casey. So thankful for their family. So thankful for all of you today because I've come to the place that God's got it. And God's got you. I'd like for you to stand. Today you may not know the great I am. But today's your day for you to pause long enough to listen. Listen. What is God saying to you in your dark moment? What is God saying to you in the valley? What is God trying to get you to define? And I believe with all my heart that God wants you not just to know him or about him, but God wants you to experience him in such a way that when you hear the bad news, that you can be like Brad. Okay, I've got it. He wasn't really saying he's got it. He was saying, okay, God's got it. I'm not going to worry because God's got it. And I I love what he said, that the peace that he could not describe just overwhelmed him. And if you watch Brad in this journey, you'll know this peace is something that you can't take away. It's something the doctors can't take away. It's something that the reports can't take away. It's a peace that only comes from God on this journey. And God wants you 
to experience that same peace that only comes from Him. So we're going to sing. We're going to worship for just a moment. And as we're worshiping, this altar's open. And I want you to pause long enough to hear from God. And if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to meet Him. I want to challenge you to invite Him to come in. Because I'm telling you, since Jesus Christ became Lord of my life, I'm talking about Lord, not just knowing about Him, but since He's become Lord of my life, He has forever changed me. And oh, I'm not perfect. And I've decided I won't be perfect until this body is redeemed. But my spirit and my soul is redeemed. God is forever changing me and growing me. And I'm experiencing God in a way that I could never, ever imagine. And God wants that for your life as well. Father God, I pray today, we've heard the story of Brad. But Lord, it's not just Brad's story. That's his story. But we all have a story. We all have a story of how we have encountered you. And there's some here today that don't know you. There's some, Lord, that may have never encountered you yet. They know about you. They've heard about you. God, they've even asked you into their heart. But God, you want them to encounter you in such a way that it forever changes their life where they grow to trust you. And even in the dark moments, they have perfect peace in the midst of the storm. That the joy is not taken away by the grief or the heartache. The joy is greater than that. So Lord, I pray today, God, that you speak to that individual today. There's others here that are going through dark moments in their life right now. But God, I believe, God, that Brad's story was to encourage them, was to plant a seed in them, and to let them know that even as I am with Brad, and even as I'm with him in this journey, I'm going to be with you in that journey. I'm going to be in your dark moment, and I'm going to be the peace that passeth all understanding. God, I believe you're speaking that today in the midst of this storm. God, if there's one here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that they'll just, Lord, I pray that they will taste and see, that they will taste and see the goodness of you today. God, I pray, speak to them as we worship you. God, draw them to you. This altar's open. If they want to come, this altar's open. I would love to pray with them. But more than that, you want to have an encounter with them that changes their life forever. So do the work that only you can do. I ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you join with Derek and the praise team? Let's worship. This altar's open. If you'd like to pray, I'd love to pray with you this morning.
You know just what to do Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.